Good morning, everybody. Welcome to you. Back to our class in the Gospel of John, the Gospel of Signs. It's really the Gospel for belief, but the signs is what we have uh, focused on. And the signs, the whole purpose of the signs was to bring about belief. So welcome to all of you who are here. Welcome to anybody who might be watching this online, wherever you might be in the world. Welcome. We are in section number six, I call it. It's chapters 11 and 12. Is there anything anybody wants to go back and talk about before we move on? All right. All right, we're in 11, 1 to 16. A certain man was sick, but we know it was... Lazarus, who was the blank of Mary and Martha, brother, so three siblings, and they lived in Bethany. That's only about 45 minutes away. So this was the same Mary who anointed blank with ointment, Jesus with ointment, and used her blank as the towel. Her hair. They blank blank to Jesus about Lazarus being sick. It says in the text they they sent word. They sent word to Jesus. How they did that, I'm not sure, but it had to be a person. Gave a person a message. They ran with that message. I don't know if you picked it up, picked up on it in the text. Bethany is about two miles from Jerusalem. Anyway, they sent word to Jesus about Lazarus being sick, but Jesus blanked his coming by blank days, delayed his coming by two days. He did not hurry. He said the sickness was not unto death, but unto the blank of blank. Glory of God. Why did the disciples not want Jesus to return to Judea again? That's where they were trying to kill him. They had threatened, tried to seize him, tried to kill him. But he always slipped away. Jesus told the disciples he was blank that he was not there when Lazarus died. Glad that he was not there when Lazarus died. So that they might... Blank. Believe. This gospel is all about people believing. And he knows when he gets there with them and they see what he's going to do, it will bring about belief. Well, hey, good to see you guys. But didn't these guys already believe? As in the present vernacular it is said, What's up with that? They already believed, but he said, when you see this, you're going to believe. We can talk about that in a little bit. It was blank who said, let us go that we may die with him. Thomas, Thomas, the one who caught a bad reputation for being a doubter. Because why was he called a doubter? In the end, when Jesus appears to the apostles, Thomas is not with them. And they tell Thomas, and he says, I'm not going to believe unless what? 
Unless I see it, yes, I want to see the prints of those nails. And so Jesus showed himself. And Thomas replied after seeing Jesus, my Lord and my God. That's Thomas. And here he's saying, well, if he's going to go get killed, let's go get killed with him. That was his faith. That was his courage. That was his commitment to the Lord. Thomas was also called Didymus or Didymus or however you want to call that. I don't know how he pronounced it, but he was also called. So they believed, but when they see what they're about to see, by the way, did these guys know that Lazarus was dead? Jesus knew. They didn't know. Word had come to them that he was sick. So come. And he died, and Jesus knew he had died, but these guys didn't know that. And so he says, I'm, I'm glad you weren't there because you're going to believe when I show you what I'm going to show you. Preston? dangerous too that that would be the question dangerous to their power their status their position their influence was he dangerous to the truth he was the embodiment of truth dangerous to the covenant that they were living on he was the fulfillment of the covenant that they were living under he came to fulfill the covenant, not to destroy it. Big difference. system we have two words that describe the sides those words generally are liberal and conservative now a trick question would be which do you want to be why would that be a trick question okay you want to be christian but if you're a christian are any of the values of liberalism or conservatism included in being a Christian? Was Jesus a conservative or a liberal? That's another trick question. What's that? We have much liberality in Christ. 
free in Christ. Define conservative. What does that mean? Right. Then we are not bankers, we are not liberals, we are just good people. Okay. Kind of, I guess, like Solomon said, our whole purpose is to serve God. And so, I'm having trouble guessing that question are we liberal or are we conservative? Well, it, here's, here's a definition for conservatism first. Well, what's it mean to conserve? You, you hold on to something, you don't let it go. For me, if you're a conservative, you find the things that have value and you hold on to those. You don't let them go. You keep those. They're solid. They're stable. They are valuable. And I'm not talking about things per se as much as I am concepts and ideas. What's a liberal? A liberal is somebody who, okay, I don't know everything, so I'm I'm willing to learn something. If I find something that has value, I will adopt it into my conservative, uh, into what I want to conserve. But in so doing, you, you are practicing a degree of liberality. So this is what the world always does. The world divides us. Those lefty liberals and those right-wing nut jobs that are conservatives, that's kind of the way it's seen in the world. But in actuality, to live in truth, you have to have a degree of both. But you only have the degree of truth that comes with both. You, you don't have either or. You are as liberal, I would say, as the scriptures will allow, and you are as conservative as the scriptures demand. You hold on to everything that you know is good, but if you find out in the process, if all of us have at one time or another, that you've been holding on to something that wasn't the way it should have been, what do you do? You let that go. You change. You're liberal enough to change. You're not stuck in your ways. And Jesus came to teach us truth. He didn't come to put us in camps one way or another unless you call the sheep and the goats camps. And you could do that. But the way to be a sheep is to follow Jesus in everything. And sometimes that demands us giving up some of what we have held on to to embrace other things and holding on to some things that we're pressed to give up. But hold on to them anyway. So when you see these people concerned, calling Jesus dangerous, it's because they're not thinking the right way and they need to change the way they think about him. Not be so conservative because what they're conserving is a lie. Only conserve what has value. And if you find out that what you've been holding on to is a lie, you need to make some changes. And everybody needs to make changes in their lives when they confront truth. That's what the gospel is all about. And so we're seeing that take place. And we have to read this. And try to figure out, well, where, where do I fit in today with all this that's going on? Because these people were trying to figure out who Jesus was. Somebody had already, or some had already figured out who he was and decided, we need to kill this guy because he's dangerous. It's like, what? He, he raises people from the dead. He heals people who have 
blindness and bad legs and withered limbs. Why would you kill a guy who can do that? Unless you are conserving something, and we'll see that they are, that should not be conserved. All right, chapter 11, 17 to 46. By the time Jesus arrived, Lazarus had been dead blank days. Four days. Four days. And that blank Jews had gathered to console the sisters. Many, many Jews. So get that picture. Lazarus has been dead four days. And there are still many Jews there to console the sisters. This is why when somebody dies, we bring food. Because it's just going to be people to feed. Jesus told Martha that he was the blank and the blank. Resurrection and the life. Then he asked her if she blanked these things. Do you believe this? I'm the resurrection and the life, Martha. Do you believe this? What a question. It was when Jesus saw Mary and her friends weeping that he also wept. Coming to the grave, Jesus commanded that the blank sealing it be blanked. Stone sealing it be removed. Though Martha hesitated, Jesus told her that she would see the blank of God. Glory of God. See how he's describing this with glory even before they were there. He said, this hasn't happened so that it would end in death, but so that the glory of God would be displayed. And now they've rolled away the stone and he's telling her, don't worry about your brother smelling bad and this being a horrible experience. Because we know what happens to a body several days after they've died. And he says, you're not going to see that, you're going to see glory. Think about that when you consider your own death. One of these days, we're going to either lay us into a hole six feet in the ground or they're going to burn us up. Except for the parts that just won't burn. And they'll have to make fertilizer out of that, I guess. But that's going to be our end. And it's kind of a scary thing if you think about it in the physical sense. But it's a wonderful thing if you think about it in the spiritual sense, because if your body is gone, your spirit is now free of the flesh. And the flesh is what gives us all the difficulty in life. If it weren't for the flesh, things could be great. The flesh is what's holding us back. The flesh is what's fallen. The flesh is what's messed up. But we will escape that. Now here's Lazarus still in the flesh, but it's dead. And Jesus says, roll that stone away. And then... When the stone was removed, it says, or I have written, Jesus called Lazarus by name, and he came forth. Seeing this, many of those who came to console the sisters blanked in Jesus, believed this is what it was all about. It wasn't simply about raising Lazarus from the dead. It was about causing people to believe. And if we could go back and ask Lazarus, Lazarus, was it okay that you got sick and died for this to happen? What do you think Lazarus would say? Pure speculation, but I kind of doubt he'd be upset at all. I think he would tell us now he is honored 
to have been a part of glorifying God and his son Jesus Christ. Being the one who all the focus was on in a sad way and then all the focus was on in a glorious way. And maybe, maybe that could be us. Not simply in dying and being resurrected, but in letting people see us go through difficult times and keep the faith and keep a smile on our face and joy in our hearts knowing that this home or this world is not our home. Yes? I heard it mentioned once. I don't remember where I heard it, but uh, it's interesting that Jesus called Lazarus by name and the speculation is if he hadn't called him by name, no telling how many people would have come out of all right. surrounding tombs. I have heard that and repeated it myself because it's a good point. And, and we know that's not true because when Jesus speaks, we know what he intends but it's interesting to think that if he'd have just said, come forth, everybody would have come forth. I, I don't really, I don't really technically believe that because when, when Jesus speaks, he knows what his words are, are intending to mean. But I, I love this, this idea because it tells us that we believe in that power. Because one day, what's he going to do? He's going to say, come forth. And who's going to come forth? Everybody. Now think about that. What about people who've been eaten by wild animals? What about people who have been dissolved in fires, not just regular fires, but all about, what about all those people in Hiroshima and Nagasaki whose total physical being was molecularly distributed, I mean, just totally blown away? Everybody's coming back. Everybody's coming back. We will be at the judgment together, all of us. Everybody who lives will be there. Everybody who's ever died will be there. All right, chapter 11, 47 to 57. The chief priests and Pharisees were concerned because Jesus was performing many blanks, signs, and if not stopped, many more would blank, believe. Many more would believe. Think about a sign again. What does a sign do? It tells you something. That's what a sign does. You're driving down the road. And they're all over the place. Billboards, I hate them sometimes. Sometimes I really need them. But other times, you know, when you're in a beautiful place with beautiful scenery, billboards, they just shouldn't be there. Just take the next exit and find what you need. But if you're someplace where you need a little change, oh, good, it's a billboard. Let's see what it says. Let's slow down so we can read it. Preston? Thank you.
we can only go so far with our imagination, and you only have so much. It's, it's not just imagination. I, I call it emotional energy. You only have so much emotional energy. It's just like trying to lift something. Well, I, I have strength, and I can lift a certain amount, but once you get past that amount, I can't lift that anymore. And I think mentally and spiritually, there's just some things we can't lift. We want to try, but we, we just can't get there. It's too big for us. It's too much. How do you, do, do you believe in God? And the answer, of course, is yes, you're here, but can you explain God? How much do you know about God? If you could quantify what you know and then how much you don't know, which would be the larger? It's like, well, but wait a minute. The things I know about God, aren't those the most important things? Are, are they? I assume they are. But yeah, so here's the thing. Deuteronomy 29, 29 comes back to bless us again. What does Deuteronomy 29, 29 say? The things that are secret belong to God. But the things that are revealed belong to us and our children forever. So God is saying, all right, there's some secret things. You you don't know those. They're mine. You don't know them. But I'm going to tell you some things. Those things are yours. You hold on to those. You, You conserve those. But don't conserve them so much that you get to a point where you, you fail to continue to receive the things you're going to learn out of my book and out of my world that I'm going to show you once you've got a body. Because that's the way we are. We get a certain body of knowledge and, okay, we got it all right now. No, you, you don't have it all. Just, just like a wheelbarrow out of a dump truck. You load that wheelbarrow. Okay, got it all. No. You got what you can carry in that wheelbarrow, but that's not, you got to go dump that and come back because there's more. And that's the way it is with God. And these signs, the signs are saying Jesus is the Son of God. Now, here's the thing. What, why didn't God just, boom, I'm going to put it in everybody's mind that they'll know for sure that Jesus is my Son, and then we'll have a utopia, and everything will be great. Why didn't he do that? Why did he let people make the choice? Why does he let you and me make the choice? Okay. It's meaningful if we make a choice. What is the greatest human, I hate to say, I don't want to say sentiment, human sentiment practice? What, what's the greatest thing? Okay, free will, but free will's no fun. Unless you've got something. Did somebody say love? Love, okay. Love is the greatest thing there is. There's only one way to get love. You have to allow people to make that decision. And if people can't decide, then it's not love. Love isn't something that can be commanded. It has to be volunteered. What's that? Okay. We, we love God because he first loved us, but, it, but it's all volunteer. There's nothing demanded. You can't. How many of you saw that movie or read the book, The Stepford Wives? It was these, these guys that came up with these robotic wives that would do and say everything that you wanted your wife to do and say. And of course, it's just a made-up fictional story, but in the end, everybody was miserable because that doesn't work. 
you have to have somebody who has their own mind to get married to. (laughs) Why? Because that's what you need. It may not be what you want, but it's what you need. Because if, if we could, we would... We would go to the buffet and we would head straight for the desserts. But you know, you got to have something real. And dessert tastes good, but it's not real. It's not actual food. You need real food. When it comes to relationships, you need something real. And the only way to get real is to let people make their own decision. And if they make their decision in favor of you, thank God. And sometimes the only way they'll make their decision in favor of you is if what? Is if you learn to behave in an acceptable manner. That's what God's been trying to do with us the whole time. I want to teach you how to behave. I want to teach you how to be a good husband. I'm going to teach you how to be a good wife. And if you fail in either one of those, it's it's not going to be just about them. It's going to be about you and everything and everybody. Harold? I think about... uh... What is the whole purpose of us being here? Why are we here? And it looks to me like God had a purpose from the very beginning. And He created everything for mankind. He, the Garden of Eden, everything was perfect creation. It looked like He had great intentions for man. And man was deceived by the Satan, I guess, man and woman were. But He still has a purpose. His whole purpose of the sun, the moon, the stars, and all this that's around us is for us. Right, exactly. For mankind, and he wants us to serve him faithfully, and if he does, we'll do that. Then he has it. It's enormous promise he's laid out for us that through Jesus Christ we'll have that home in heaven. That's the whole purpose. That's the big picture. And so it seems like it must. we must really try to align ourselves to understand that's why we're here. That's exactly. my viewpoint. And, and if we understand that, then we want to seek him out. And that's what we do even in romance. We seek out somebody who we have an interest in. And while we are romancing, while we are wooing, woo, we try to do what's acceptable to that person because we want them to like us. We want them to see the good in us. But if you're only doing it presenting a facade... So that you can get them, and then once you've got them, oh, now you can go back to behaving the way you want to. No, shut up. You're stupid. You've got to change. And the change you're confronted with is the best thing for you. There are all kinds of changes I need to make. I'm not going to make them because I'm lazy. I'm not going to make them because I'm more interested in the other things than I am in the things I should be doing that would make changes that would be good for me. I am a person of flesh. I'm not stupid. I just will the wrong things. And why am I telling you that? Is this a personal confession? No, this is the way all of us are. You know there are things you need to do that would be really good, but you're too lazy just like me. Or you're not willing to put out the effort just like me. There are things that need to change about you. But are you? Well, some of it will. That's why we're here. Because some of it will change. It's gradual.
y'all job is to teach guys research. Guys are dumb. We don't know. We have to learn how to be around. We don't we want to be around, but we really don't know. I said, I know, I'm a guy. My mom tried to teach me. Now my wife's trying to teach me. And God's trying to teach us. We just we need to learn. That's, that's why little boys irritate little girls because, I mean, they actively irritate them because they want to get their attention, and that's the only way they know how. They don't know to go take a bath and put on some nice clothes and come say, hey, how you been doing? That's, anyway, that's, boys and girls are a little bit different. I know that's not popular in today's culture, but they are different. We better get back to the worksheet or we're not going to make it through this. Where are we here? The chief priests and Pharisees, were concerned because Jesus was performing many signs. We got that far. And if not stopped, many more would believe. John showed that they feared the blank more than they feared blank. They feared the Romans. Oh, the Romans. If Jesus gets too popular, the Romans are going to take our status in our nation. They didn't fear God. They feared the Romans. Caiaphas said that it was expedient that blank, blank, die for the nation. One man, die for the nation. Rather than have the blank, blank perish, whole nation. Do you see the irony? He, he's saying, we're going we're gonna to have to kill this guy to save the nation. That's right, but not the way you're thinking. You're going to have to kill that guy to save the world. Jesus and his disciples, therefore, went to a town called blank. Where was it? Ephraim, Ephraim. Now, whatever you want to call it, while the chief priests and Pharisees planned to blank him, seize him. They wanted to take him. All right. We're finally on this next page. Jesus returned to Bethany, Bethany, blank days before the blank. Six days before Passover. This is the Passover. This would be the Passover when Jesus would be. Killed or arrested, really. He would be arrested on the Passover, killed the next day. It was here that blank would anoint Jesus' feet, as John mentioned earlier. Mary. And he did mention that in the, this is the same Mary that anointed Jesus. Blank was upset at this, saying that the perfume could have been sold to blank, the blank. Judas was upset, saying that perfume could have been sold to feed, to do what? To help the poor, feed the poor, bless the poor. Actually, Judas was a blank thief. That's what John says through inspiration. And he pilfered the blank blank money box. Pilfered the money box. Jesus said to leave her alone that she may keep it for the day of his burial. Isn't that an interesting statement? After he's been saying all these times, uh, they're going to arrest me. I'm going to be killed. going to raise the third day. Large crowds gathered at the house to see blank Lazarus, whom the chief priests planned to blank kill because they, because many were blank in Jesus because of him believing. It was the next day that Jesus entered blank on a blank Jerusalem on a donkey in fulfillment of a prophecy by, did you get that? You have it in your margin? Zechariah. Zechariah prophesied. Witnesses of Lazarus' resurrection were blank to the crowds. Scan down through the text, see if you can find it. 
says they were testifying to the crowds. They saw Lazarus come out of that tomb. They were with him afterwards. They could see this isn't a walking corpse. This is a living man. Life restored to him. So people wanted to see him because of this. How does John put it? He said, this sign, this is a sign. You see Lazarus, you see life, you see resurrected life, you see a sign, Jesus is the Son of God. That's what that tells you. John writes that there were blanks present who said to Philip, we wish to see Jesus. Greeks, Greeks were there at the feast of the Passover, imagine that. Hearing this, Jesus said the blank was come for him to be blank. The hour has come for him to be glorified. And that from the blank of one grain of wheat, from the death, from the death of one grain of wheat, much blank can come. Much fruit can... What's what's this have to do with the Greeks? Or does it have anything to do with the Greeks? There's nothing more Jewish than the Passover. What's the Passover all about? It's about coming out of bondage. And that lamb's blood saved you from death. And here are a bunch of Greeks in Jerusalem. Who do they want to see but Jesus? And when Jesus hears this, he doesn't say, oh, well, show them to me. I I want to show myself to these Greeks and talk to them about this. No, he says, oh, there's Greeks here. The hour's come for the Son to be glorified. It's like, I don't know about you, but inside me, (laughs) I get all happy. Because this is not a gospel for the Jews only. This is a gospel for us too. And I think that's what that was all about. Okay, last section, 12, 27 to 50. Saying that his blank was blank, Jesus told his father his soul was troubled. Jesus told his father to glorify his blank, his name, his father's name. He said, glorify your name, father. At this, a blank was heard from heaven, a voice. Some said it thundered. People weren't quite sure, but but it was an audible sound. And it was God's voice. And it said, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. Jesus said that it was time for the blank of this world to be blank, blank. The ruler of this world to be cast out. Time for the ruler of this world to be cast. Do you remember Genesis 3.15? All the way back to Genesis 3.15. God said, seed of woman would be bruised on the heel by Satan, but that the seed of woman would bruise Satan where? On the head. So a small blow against a horrible blow, a death blow. And that's, that's what this is all about. The devil's going to be cast out. And it's not written out in detail in the scripture, but this is why I believe today we apparently, I say apparently because I don't know for sure, we apparently don't have demon possession like they had it in the first century. You don't have anybody who's, who's got a son or a daughter who's, 
demon-possessed in the the same way that you see it in, in the scriptures. That has come to a conclusion, and I think this is part of that. The devil's cast out. Jesus continues in his statement, however, the ruler of this world would be cast out and that if he were blank, blank from the earth, lifted up from the earth, he would draw blank, blank to himself, all men to himself. John writes, however, that though he had performed blank, blank, many signs, many signs, they would not believe. In fact, many did believe, but feared the blank who had threatened to cast any who believed from the blank. Who did they fear? The Pharisees who had threatened to cast any who believed from the synagogue. They loved the blank of men more than the approval of blank. The praise of men, the approval of men, they love the approval of men more than the approval of God. Jesus said he did not come to blank the world, but to blank it. Did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Even so, those who blank him, reject him, will be judged by blank blank on the last day his word you reject jesus says you can reject me but you'll be judged by my word i don't judge you but my word will judge you you if you of scripture everything in here is about personal reflection you you read genesis 1 1 in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth Hmm, what does marty kessler think about that what does that mean to marty kessler is the one who did that god did that actually happen or does marty kessler lean towards hmm, natural elements just over time brought everything into being Self-examination, what do I believe? I I read these things about Jesus, all these signs that he did. Do I believe the signs? Today, the Gospels are the signs. They are the the posters being held up saying, we witness this. There's four of us who are telling you this is what happened. Not just the four of us, but there are others who wrote in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul is witnessing to the resurrection. The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 1 verse 4, it is the resurrection that declares Jesus to be the Son of God. The whole of Scripture is testifying to us and pressing us to reflect on what it all means to us. And that's what John's gospel is doing. What do you believe about these things? How do you respond? Observations, comments, questions? present day. He teaches us not to worry about tomorrow, don't worry about yesterday, worry about today. 
but yet here he is God with us. But then in, 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 in Genesis, it's on Alpha and Omega, beginning and end. Jesus is there in the beginning, and here he is with them, present. It's amazing to me. I can't comprehend God in the flesh, and but being outside of time, but yet being in time, and just the creation that he gave us, the witness that he gave us, and, and everything that he gave us to, to see, but yet what he did. And then you, you asked for your, you know, what was basically the greatest thing, you know, a man, and then of course someone said love. You know, these three things remain, faith, hope, and love, of course. God is love. It's just, I try to see God, I try to get him in my mind how a vision of him, an understanding of him, but yet I see it as simple, but yet it's more than I can comprehend. And when you really think about it, most everything is. Can you comprehend a watermelon? How, how do you take a little dark seed and put it in the ground and that seed dies and from its death, that's what Jesus was talking about, you put a grain of seed in the ground, unless it dies, it doesn't bring forth fruit, but if it does die, it brings forth a lot of fruit. And that little watermelon seed turns into a plant, a vine that reaches out and turns its leaves towards the sun soaks up not just moisture from the ground, but nutrients from the ground, and from the, the brown dirt makes a dark green watermelon with bright red fruit that has sugar in it. How does that happen? I don't know. And if I can't figure out a watermelon, what is my hope with God? All I can do is see what I can see and say, I believe that. I can see that. That's got to be true. I believe that. Somebody says, what about the rest of it? Where'd God come from? Well, I, I can't answer that. Like you said, do wrong, do wrong. We only know what's been revealed to us. The rest belongs to God. And while we can't answer some of the questions, we can reason that the conclusions we have make more sense than anything else. The conclusion that God is real, even though I can't explain how he originated, makes more sense that he brought this world into being than anything else makes. Because too many things have to happen in sequence for all this stuff to come about, and it has to happen perfectly. And now we know more than we've ever known about the the microscopic... Uh, Life that takes place in a cell, in one cell. And there is no simple cell. There is no simple living organism. Everything is complex and complex. We now know that because of the research that's been done with DNA and genetics. And it's all based on information. And information only comes from one place. It has to come from a mind. And that mind is God. So, And if you say, well, it was aliens. Well, who made the aliens? you got to get back to God somewhere. And isn't that crazy that instead of believing in God, people will say aliens. Well, there's there's a whole bunch of universes. Well, we're dead. what do you mean there's a whole bunch of universes? We don't even know how many galaxies there are. How do you know how many universes there are? Well, there just has to be more than one. And in another universe, no, shut up, you're dumb. All, you're just trying to get away from God. It's all you're doing. And, and it... It makes you look really dumb. It does. I'm sorry. My apologies to all you dumb people. <laughs> <laughs>